Listen and subscribe to the Growth Craft Startup Community Podcast on all the major podcast players, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere where podcasts are available. And leave a five-star review if you like it. We need those reviews to grow the show, and it's the easiest way to help us grow the show that you can do right now. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Podcasts or Spotify, and leave a five-star review for the Growth Craft Startup Community Podcast. And tell all of your friends who are entrepreneurs to take a listen. And thanks. Hello, my name is Hassan Sorrells, and usually we would have Tom Libby, but he's not here today. And you are listening uh, to the Growth Craft Podcast. The Growthcraft Podcast is designed with the startup founder in mind. This podcast is committed to growing your connections with our Growthcraft advisors, increasing your engagement with the Growthcraft community, and it's also committed to growing your knowledge about all of the benefits that Growthcraft can provide for your startup project. We can't wait to bring you along on our journey today. Now, here on this podcast, we interview startup founders, advisors, and others about their journey, their process, their projects, their successes, and even, like we're going to be doing today, talking about what resources they can provide and what background experience they can provide to the GrowthCraft community. And I'd like to welcome to the GrowthCraft podcast today, Vitaly Schaefer. How are you doing, Vitaly? Great. Thanks so much for having me, Hassan. Awesome. So for our listeners, for folks who never heard of you and have no idea who you are and what you do, what is it that you do exactly? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share that. I am the director of VCPE and tech banking at Leader Bank. Now, what does that mean? That's like a loaded question, right? Uh, Primarily, I provide specialized banking services to this vertical. Um, everything from traditional deposits and lending solutions, all the way to working with startup communities like GrowthCraft um, and accelerators to help uh, these companies and startups grow. Now, banking is not necessarily always sexy. Let's just be real about this. Let's just put this out there right up front. Um, everybody wants to know who you guys are. Everybody want to meet. Everybody wants to meet you and shake your hand. But then after they get the money, they sort of want to run away, right? <laughs> so, Absolutely. So, uh, so um, kind of go into a little bit more about what you do and a little bit more about the specifics. Why should I, as a founder, come to you for money? Why should I try to meet you? Why should I try to shake your hand? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that 90, 95% of banks really provide a general service, right? It's a banking service. You go into a branch, you get your cash, you get your mortgage, you make your deposit, and you leave. Um, Now, if you really dig deep, um, the way I position myself is I don't try to go after everyone. Right. Um, I not I don't try to be good at everything either. Um, there's certain banks out there that we've heard of, you know, your SCB, for example, Mercury, uh, even First Republic, where I was previously, that are great in specific niches. Um, and 
different segments, for example, startups really like to go to SVB for their venture debt. Um, or, for example, First Republic was really great also at high net worth individual banking. So there's those banks out there that do stand out. Um, now, for myself, um, I have been working with startups in VCs and PEs for close to a decade now. Um, I think it's great that a bank, for example, like Leader, um, really tries to invest in different verticals and tries to do them really well. Um, I think that if you're, for example, a small business owner, um, let's say like a coffee shop across the street, maybe a bigger bank like Chase would be the one for you, right? They have um, provide you with cash vault services. You can go into the branch, get the cash. Of course, we have that. Um, but I try to expand on banking services for the industry that I serve. Um, now, I'll kind of go back into how I even got into this role. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask you, because I don't think anybody, I don't think little Vitaly was walking around at like age, well, or maybe you were, maybe you were one of those weird folks like Warren Buffett. You know, I always remember the stories about Warren Buffett, like he did his first trade at like eight. And I'm like, who were you as a child? You must have been, you must have caught a lot of, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying Warren Buffett caught a lot of fists but you were probably that kid, right? <laughs> but it was a different time, right? So like, how did little Vitaly come to want to go into banking? How did that happen? Yeah, I don't think that there's really many children out there that are born and are five years old. They're like, hey, you know what? I want to work in a bank. Right. Um, maybe there are, you know? Um, for myself, I think it's the uh, childhood and your upbringing and what you witness that kind of leads a lot of people to pursue the career they do. Um, for myself, um, I was born in Eastern Europe, and I heard throughout my whole childhood of painful stories of people that had to go through the transition to capitalism. Mm -hmm. um, I'll kind of give you an example. My great-grandma uh, sold her house in the 1980s uh, when my great-grandpa passed away, and only for those proceeds a couple of years later to equal a loaf of bread because she did not uh, reinvest those funds. Um, kept them liquid in cash, which a lot of people did at the time. You know, they got the cash, they traditionally stuffed it in a mattress or, you know, kept it in a safe, um, didn't repurchase property, didn't make any sort of investments. Um, and that was just a big kind of shock financially to the family. Um, I myself come from a family of doctors. So I think traditionally that was expected of me to potentially become a doctor, right? Um, my grandpa's a surgeon, my mom's an oncologist, um, a pharmacist in the family. So, um, but I just saw the financial instability and the burdens that people face. And that really intrigued me, frankly, as a child. Um, I would say the other catalyst was when um, I was in high school, I had a really influential economics uh, teacher. He was actually also uh, lectured at NYU and Princeton. Um, and I did a senior thesis with him on uh, different economic models of Europe. Um, and he just really made me think critically and outside the box. And that kind of led me to pursue a degree in economics in college. Um, what do you do with an econ degree? Right. That's a great question. I, I have no idea what you do with the. I, I think when I think of e economics, I think of the dismal science, right? Because, you know, economics is sort of the, it's the study, and I'm not talking about politicized economics. I'm talking about real on the ground, yeah. 
mathematical economics. It's the it's the science of seeing the gap between what people say they'll do and what they actually do. And probably the only people who are more dismayed at human nature are probably psychologists yeah. <laughs> and psychiatrists. Like you probably have a lot in common with your, your economists probably have a lot in common with them. So, so yeah, what do you do with an economics degree? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, frankly, in university, most of it was you doing equations. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're learning theories. And then at the end of it, you kind of learn in your last year why um, none of it is rational and none of it is really applicable in today's world. Um, but most people, I would say, uh, tr- to use a traditional economics education, you go work for, let's say, the World Bank, right? Um, mm-hmm. You try to influence an economic policy, maybe in politics, on the international stage. Uh, but again, the World Bank is small, right? It'll take maybe a few hundred graduates. Um, I knew that I wanted to stay in the financial world. Um Will that not be a World Bank or perhaps, you know, another bank or maybe joining a VC firm? Um, I was given the opportunity uh, at the end of my college years to join First Republic um, on the digital channel side. Um, So I primarily work with corporations on their treasury management. Um, This involved literally going to all the businesses, meeting with the CEOs, CFOs, um, sitting with them, guiding them through the systems. Um, and that really got me comfortable speaking to them and getting to know what they're looking for, what products they're using. Um, and after doing that for a couple of years, I was given the opportunity to join uh, the preferred banking side. Um, this entails basically doing banking services for alternative investment companies. So working, I would say, sp- pretty much specifically with venture capital firms, private equity firms, and hedge funds. Um, Onboarding, compliance, um, matching them with solutions that they need, helping them with fund administration. Um, It was really a crash course. And First Republic was really good at it. And I did that for about a year. And after a year, um, I was brought to Back Bay to lead out their uh, tech and VC and PE um, kind of division and drive that growth, primarily in Back Bay, but frankly, I have clients all over the U.S., so um, <laughs> it's kind of how it worked out, and I was there for about five or six years. Um, COVID was a really great time in banking, right, for the world as a whole, but in banking was great. Banks were making good money. Startups were getting funded left and right. Um, it was an absolute explosion of money on the scene from VCs to tech companies getting funded. Um, In a way, it was a bit too fast, too much. And we kind of saw what happened with that. Um, Yeah, I was just, I was just reading about, uh, about not to interrupt, but I was just reading about, uh, um, oh gosh, um, certain companies, and I won't name names here because we don't need to do that, but certain companies whose IPOs, maybe this year were not as robust as uh as people would have liked um was also reading about and i have been following um because we do this podcast because this is part of growth craft you know we're following sort of the what i euphemistically call the startup winter that's i think we're i think we're at the beginning of it not the not the end of it um pache large language algorithms they're euphemistically called ai pache all of that 
I think some of that's the only bright spot you've got. And then you've got the 99% of everything else where finding a guy like yourself is probably your best bet. If you're, if you're a startup founder, am I, am I correct in, in sort of my analysis of that? Absolutely. Um, I think you're spot on. This is definitely a funding winter. Um, I think uh, VCs, from what I've seen, they're looking for really profitable companies or that cutting-edge technology. Um, it's not like in 2020 where you're a tech company, you could just go out and people would just give you money for no reason. And I think that kind of ties back to economics. Um, mm-hmm. Our rates were near zero for almost over a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that has really led to explosive growth in the economy. Um, and a spe- specifically during COVID, because everybody was home, everybody wanted kind of like the latest tech gadgets, products, um, and people had time to, you know, on more time on their hands. They weren't going to the office anymore. They're um, so a lot of these tech companies they made a lot of money, um, but since then rates have significantly increased. Um, I mean, now you can go out and get a treasury rate for five and a half percent. Uh, and I still think that that's probably going to increase in the short term. Um, so for these VCs, right, that have traditionally invested in these very risky startups that were not profitable, not making any money, um, they are now having a very difficult time getting funds from investors. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're an investor, would you yourself invest in a very risky startup that's not profitable? Or would you put your funds in a treasury for five and a half percent? You know, that's... I'm going to tell you where I've got my cash squirreled. It's not in a mattress, but it's yeah. almost close. And I'm earning like, I think, four and 4.75 right now exactly. on a pile of cash. And, and you know, it's insane. Normally I wouldn't reveal that, but it's insane to me. Like when my wife and I look at our investments and look at what's happening, um, and we look at the long-term sort of implications of some of this. And I'm involved in uh, other projects in the real estate space as well. And that's going through its own ver- version of nuclear winter right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, welcome welcome back, 2008. We missed you. Anyway, <laughs> well, um, so um, when I look at that, it's, it's literally, and I, I saw this coming probably mid part of 2021, where I was watching the trend lines and I thought, I, and we were looking at some serious investments and moving some cash around. And I thought, no, we'll just keep it there because I'm going to actually weirdly earn more on the cash, to, to use your point, under my mattress yeah. than I'm going to earn in, in any investment anywhere else where I put it. And that's nuts. That is a nuts inversion that I've personally, and I've been tracking the economy since I was 18 and I'm in my 40s now. Uh, I've never seen that before in my lifetime. Same in my lifetime as well. Okay, okay. And, you know, Tom's a little bit older than I am. Maybe he is, maybe he's seen something like that. But uh, unfortunately, he is not here. Uh, he's not here today. Um, okay, so you've got startups that you're talking with and founders, um, and you're, you're in essence representing a capital position for them that they can come to, um, probably a little bit lower risk than going to a VC fund right now, or maybe it's the same level of risk. I don't know. Um, kind of walk us through a little bit. What are you looking at? Cause this is what every startup founder is holding their breath for. 
what are you looking for when a startup founder or or a or a co-founder and a technical founder, you know, um, walk up to you and say, "Hey, we've got this idea. We'd like to get it funded." What are you looking for in that pitch? What do you want to see? Um, what are the metrics you're looking for? Um, growth is a big thing, I know, but I know that's not the only thing. So, what are the, what are some some uh, just a few solid foundational things that you look for before making um, some recommendations to uh, to a startup founder? Join the Growth Craft Startup Community online via Zoom each first Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time for Expert Tuesdays. With Expert Tuesdays, you'll hear from one of our top-notch expert advisors and thought leaders in an informative workshop or presentation focusing on a topic important to emerging and growing companies. From sales and marketing to storytelling and leadership, in this hour-long monthly session, you will be able to connect with the GrowthCraft community, advisors, founders, and others. And you'll learn entrepreneurship skills you can apply to your startup project uh, right now. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us on Expert Tuesdays in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. And thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um so kind of going back to, to my role um, on the VCPE tech side, um, I primarily wouldn't say even advise startups, but I guess you could say advise them. Um, obviously on the banking side, right? What to do with their idle cash, but also half of it is making introductions to accelerators, uh, to VC firms. Um, we may potentially dabble in, of course, some of those that lending to risky companies, obviously not at the level SDB would ever do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the bank does do, of course, you know, SBA lending, um, AR lending. Um, so really when I'm speaking to startups, number one thing is I want to ask them, first of all, you know, what is your product? Most of the time, uh, it is some it is some software development product. It is um, something that's already on the market that's oversaturated. If you don't have a product that specifically can solve a problem that there's nothing else exists on the market, um, you're not going to get a VC or accelerator's attention. I mean, more than likely, um, you need to offer something that is completely unique. First of all. Um, and second of all, you have, really have to have a solid team behind you. If you're just kind of a one person really starting out from scratch uh, and you're like, okay, it's just me. I have the software I developed um, and I want VC money. It's like, whoa, 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 hold your horses, right? Before we can even get you in front of investors or give you any lending, we need you to have a solid team. You, you know, you have a, like a fractional CFO um, what does your financial model look like, right? That's going to be one of the first questions that investors are going to ask us. Show us your financial model. Do you update it every month, right? If you just made it when you first set up your company and you haven't touched it since, investors are not going to look at you seriously. Um, what is your pitch deck? Are you sure it's your pitch deck? If it's just like three PowerPoint slides, you know, it looks like a child put together. Again, it's not as serious. <laughs> It doesn't look that serious. Um, you have to work with someone that can help with your investor deck and help you convey your message. Um, a lot of founders I meet, they're really great. They're really great engineers and excellent at what they do. 
but they're not great at conveying the message um, in simpler terms, right? Um, you're going to lose a lot of VCs if you start speaking, in the, in, unless the VC right is engineering focused, most of them are going to kind of lose you along yeah. the way. And you have to keep their attention and also explain it to them, of course, in terms that um, make sense. Um, let me think what else that that's huge. I mean, there's so many honesty aspects that, <laughs> that well, and, well, and those three, yeah, well, and those three are really, really good, you know, product, financial modeling, and deck, right? Those, those should probably be, um, the, the basics of your, um, of your, um, of your, your projects or your startup. Right. Um, and then you mentioned the fourth thing, which is team. Um, I'm, you know, the startup leadership advisor here at GrowthCraft. Um, you know, I advise folks and coach folks in the organizational behavior, the leadership development, the management space. And so how do you get along with those four other people? <laughs> how do you make that fractional CFO actually do what you want them to do? Um, those are critical things to have in place, critical elements to have in place before you go and see um, a guy like uh, a guy like Vitaly or check out Leader Bank and what they may have to offer. Um, okay, in thinking about those kinds of terms, so we're looking at either a napkin stage person who's coming to you looking for looking for advice, looking for cash. But then on the flip side, and I'm I'm really passionate about these kinds of folks because, quite frankly, I am one of these kinds of folks. Is the bootstrapper. And yes. I actually, I'll just use this. I'm going to frame up an avatar for us for this question. So I was talking with a bootstrapper the other day. Um, she built a two-person team. Um, she's the sales side. They're the tech side. Um, she's been selling this product successfully for seven years uh, to a very narrow market. She's got cash flow. Um, and she's just now looking at going into um, going into the market and going to the VCs and going to very specific funding streams. What would you say to a person who, and again, I have passion for the bootstrappers because I'm, I'm a bootstrapper myself, right? Um, so what would you say to the bootstrappers who do have all of those things in line, but have relied on sales to fund their idea rather and the growth of their idea and now are looking for cash to sort of, um, I think of it like steroids, right? Like if you're a bodybuilder, right? <laughs> You've gotten to the max that you can get with your, you're, you're with your when you're natural, right? Now you're going to put some steroids in there, and you're going to try to blow that thing up. What what do they need? What do they need to bring to you? Because they already have the deck, they already have the team, they already have the product, they have a a track record of um, of revenue. It may not be a big track record of revenue, but at least it's something. So, what do they have to bring to the table to talk to you at Leader Bank? Um, frankly, they're the ones that have the advantage in this market today. Um, Say if that again louder for the for the bootstrappers in the back. <laughs> they have the advantage. It's frankly true. Um, VCs and accelerators are much more likely to invest in someone that puts their own money behind their product. Mm -hmm. um, that has you know been has sales right has become profitable um, is generating leads. That's frankly who most of the accelerators tend to work with these days. Um, I just spoke with one of the founders of a very large accelerator. Um, and, you know, I kind of asked him, like, what percentage of uh, basically, how, what percentage are you accepting, right? VCs, uh, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, startups that come in front of you and how many of them are like bootstrappers? How many of them have race funds? And he said, out of 100, frankly, one or two, right? We will look at. 
and invest with. And more than likely, it's going to be someone who has raised funds themselves, who have for the business, who have the clients, who just need that extra push to get to the next step. So I think right now, um, even though it's a funding winter, I think that there's still a lot of money to go around. Yeah. Because there's been so many VCs that have started, so they have still that cash flow. There's still a lot more VC funds being invested now than, let's say, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the momentum. The momentum is slowing down, but it will pick up. Give it a, give it a two years, I would say. I mean, rates are bound to stabilize and go back down, and that's when you're going to see a much better pickup. Um, but don't give up. I think is the main thing. I I have a lot of conversations with, um, frankly, business founders and owners that just ask me, you know, hey, I'm not even looking for VC money. I'm not looking for accelerate money. I'm like funding this myself. Uh, frankly, I just need to somehow get more clients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very difficult thing to help, right? Because each person is going to need different needs, right? They're going to have a, different people they need to talk to. And frankly, for them, a lot of it is just their mindset. It's just they need to continuously work on that motivation, on that mindset, to continue to go out every day, to meet people that in their industry, to meet clients, you know, hit the road, right? Um, Go to these businesses and, and continue that motivation. Because I think a lot of founders, right, if they're not getting that that first client or that that continuous sales, they lose motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think someone like, you know, like a mindset coach, right? Which actually funny enough, growth craft has. Um, we, uh, <laughs> something, like, something like that would help because I have a good connection with individuals in different businesses, um, but I'm not promising, right? I'm going to get you this sale or I'm going to, you know, by making this introduction, you're going to increase your profits X. Because right. frankly, a lot of that is baloney. People that promise we're going to increase your sales thirty, you know, by three times if you yeah. work with us. What they're doing is just giving you tools, right? And and that's what I'm here to do. I'm trying to give them tools, trying to make connections to the right people to help them with uh, the challenges that they're facing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, there's a lot of uh snake oil salesmen out there in the startup world um and in the entrepreneurship world in the entrepreneurship community um again i don't need to name names or or do anything like that um but you know any founder or um bootstrapper and, and they're both the same thing you know anybody who's started a project and who is trying to you know gain revenue out of the world and add value back in um has run across these folks either in your Instagram Reels feed or your TikTok feed, wherever you happen to be hanging out. I don't go to the neighborhood of TikTok, but I hear things that happen over there. Uh, I'm too old for that. On the same page. I, yeah. I <laughs> I'm a little too old for that neighborhood, <laughs> um, but I see enough in the neighborhood that I do hang out a lot in, which is the LinkedIn neighborhood. I hang out a lot in that neighborhood, and I see a lot of just like. I'm going to be even stronger than Vitaly. I see a lot of straight up nonsense, just absolute nonsense. And um, understanding and having a good instinct for the difference between what is a tool that's worth paying for that's going to actually help your business um, and help your project and help you move forward versus a tool that's just going to sort of hang out there and cost you um, money and time is uh, is an instinct that particularly during this funding period now, 
um, is going to be uh, a, a, sh- a one that uh, folks are going to want to sharpen, right? And they're going to want to yeah. they're going to want to really pay attention to that. Um, okay, so in thinking about growth craft, right? Um, you know, what was it, Vitaly, that drew you to growth craft? Um, I, I kind of have an idea of what the answer to the question is, but you know, how is the growth craft what? How's the growth craft community attracted you? What value do you see in it from the position of leader bank um, and from the seat that you're sitting in? And then um, and then what are you seeing as you work through and as you engage with the growth craft community? Join us online via Zoom at the Growth Craft Startup Community Founders Forum each third Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Look, advisors and founders, we're we're all in this together. Building relationships with your peers and entrepreneurship is just as important as connecting with experts and advisors. Each month, every third Thursday, we'll meet online via Zoom to share ideas, get support, support each other, and talk about universal issues that nearly all startups share. We'll celebrate our victories, chat about challenges, and then break out into small groups to address a timely topic of interest. It's a great way to meet like-minded entrepreneurs. Check out the links to the third Tuesday events on the GrowthCraft website and join us at the GrowthCraft Startup Community Founders Forum in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. Yeah, uh, so I'll, uh, I'll give you kind of a background on how you introduced, uh, what's sure. introduced to GrowthCraft and then um, how, I mean, what value it brought really. Um, this was about over a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, I, I tried to network in the startup community. And through that, I met uh, JP at the Cambridge Innovation Center. Um, he's one of the founders of GrowthCraft, fractional CFO as well. Had an excellent conversation about the, the community that JP has built. Um, because at the time, um, a lot of these communities or um, places, you had to pay like an entrance fee or you have to like pay up front before you even basically get to participate, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I like that JP was essentially like, you know, we want to help these startups grow. Um, we have these advisors, strategists in different spheres. And of course, right, if you want to deepen the relationship and want to work with a specific advisor on, let's say like, you know, an attorney like Charlie, or, you know, something on obviously a much deeper level, then yes, of course it makes sense. But you shouldn't shut people out and make them pay these startups which are already, you know, trying to stay lean and <laughs> minimize fees. Um, so that, and of course, the other part of it was just the experts, right? That GrowthCraft had. I mean, um, each advisor um, is a founder or an expert in themselves, right? They have either their own company or are part of, you know, the senior position that can really provide great support um, in every aspect. And it's not like there's somebody who's just going to provide like a, everybody's like a general knowledge of everything, right? You have mm-hmm. specific experts in specific fields, right? Oh, yeah. I can't advise on, you know, uh, anything an attorney can, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, I can't help with, for example, your investor deck, right? We, I might be able to help you, but there's no way that I would be able to help you at the level that a pro could. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh yeah, so I joined several meetings. Um, I introduced a few of my clients to the to the group, and they had a really great experience. Um, unfortunately, because I was a Christian public, um, it did fall apart. And um, you know, during that time, I was 
try looking for a new home. And uh, when I met the president here of Leader J and the head of business banking, Mark, they shared the same vision. They want to really uh, grow in this tech and VC world. They basically want to give as many resources as possible to help startups, uh, to help the community, um, roll out resources, provide workshops, um, host events, right? The whole nine yards, um, which I think a lot of banks, you know, you have to go through a lot of red tape to get to that point. Mm. Um, and here we have the ability to find the solution right away, mm. um, which is, I think, what makes a smaller bank kind of stand out from one of the mammoths out mm. there. Um, so, of course, I, I re-engaged, you know, with Growthcraft when I saw this vision and um, was able to, um, from there, I mean, it's, you know, I've sent, of course, a few clients over and um, I see the Growthcraft is uh, a bit of an ongoing, like, community that mm -hmm. startups can come to and get the resources and help they need with whatever stage they're in. Um, I think longer term, you know, this is an excellent partnership to work with VC firms, work with accelerators. We go to them, you know, you ask, what are like your top five companies that um, perhaps are excellent, but maybe they're just missing that one thing or another. They can, they should come to Growthcraft. We can help them refine that and help them get the funding, right? Um, I think that with the resources that they have, I mean, this is what drew me into it. Um, and frankly, most startups I meet, I want to send them to growth, right? Because I want them to be able to get the resources, help they need from multiple experts and also be realistic with them, right? It's like, mm -hmm. what is the possibility? You know, you're investor ready. Is this a viable product? Maybe you're wasting your time, right? With, with what you're trying to do. Um, and frankly, those conversations need to be had. Um, and a lot of founders are just looking for that, right? They're looking for yeah. that help uh, to get there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's really hard if you are a person who has <clears throat> been operating inside of an industry for, let's say, minimum 10 to 15 years, you come up with a great hack, and now you think you can take that hack and go to scale um, because it all looks easy from the outside. Um, I remember when I started my first business, literally my first thought was, well, this can't be that hard. Like anybody can do this. Woe be tied to the person who says that. <laughs> but there's many other folks in growth craft who also have, to your point, many other advisors who also have a similar background or are coming from those that similar space um, and can have, to your point, those honest conversations with a founder um, so that they are prepared, quite frankly, to have those conversations with you, um, have conversations with accelerators, have conversations with VCs, because every time they do that, um, the ratchet of pressure, you know, goes up a little bit every single time. And uh, to be able to survive that kind of pressure is the gold standard for a founder that's going to be um, that's going to be successful, whatever that may mean for them and their project. So, um, so. We're rounding the corner here. And uh, one of the things we always ask towards the end of our conversation with our folks, whether they are advisors or founders, um, is what would you like to promote today, if anything? Where can people find you, Vitaly? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, do you have a website? I wanted to react, reach out to you on LinkedIn. How do we how do we get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think LinkedIn is always the best way. Uh, I'm always on it. I, I try to use my LinkedIn to promote kind of events that we're running or workshops. Um, 
I tend not to post too many facts because frankly, I think our LinkedIn's are already littered with <laughs> people giving their opinion on every topic. Um, so I have an event, a uh, few events that are gonna be coming up and um, you can always just add me on LinkedIn. I'll be posting them there. Um, right here in this QR code, if you are watching this on video, you can go to our website. Um, it's going to be leaderbank.com. Go on your business banking and start up BC banking. So you'll see our page, everything we provide, all the services. Um, one other thing, you know, I'll mention is uh, people are like, yeah, you know, of course, you're just going to promote your bank, right? It's like, how do I know that it's right for me? Um, I think, right, we're not going to be the perfect bank for everyone. I think that's that's the that's the number one thing. It's when we, but we really try to do what we're good at, right? I think traditionally the bank has been excellent in mortgages. I mean, it's the top mortgage lender in Massachusetts. Um, it's great at attorney banking. We have excellent uh, business bankers specializing in that, as well as municipalities. Um, so they they really try to hone in in the industries that they're good at, right? If you're looking for like a credit card or wealth management or SED style funding, like that's not something that we specialize in and I would refer you to a partner for that. Um, but if you're looking for basically any sort of banking for your startup or VC or PE firm, um, I would be more than happy to have a conversation. Awesome. So we will have links, as we always do, to all the places where you can get a hold of Vitaly Schaefer um, at Leader Bank. We will have links to <clears throat> the page that he referenced there on the Leader Bank website. We will also have the link to Vitaly's LinkedIn so that you can go ahead and grab him there and connect with him there. Once again, I'd like to thank Vitaly Schaefer for coming on the Growth Craft Podcast. Uh, thank you for, for coming on, for talking a little bit with us today. Thank you so much, Hassan. Um, you know, if I ever come back, hopefully Tom is also, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a three-way <laughs> three conversation. Three-way, you know, three-way conversation. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll invite you back. We'll let Tom yeah. bat you around a little bit. You know, uh, I'm sure yeah, he's Tom. got some, uh, he's got some questions Thank for you. you from the, from the sales and marketing side. Um, um, and some things that uh, that uh, come out of his experience that he would like to explore. But yeah, we'll definitely have you back. This was a great conversation, and uh, and I look forward to we look forward to continuing working with you in the uh, in the growth craft community and um, and your referral clients. Once again, this is Hayson Sorrells with the Growth Craft Podcast, and we're out. Thank you, Hayson. Each second Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, join GrowthCraft live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC, located at 1 Broadway, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Located at Kendall Square, CIC features the most engaging entrepreneurial community in the Northeast, right next to MIT and minutes from Harvard University and downtown Boston. With 250,000 square feet of professionally managed, flexible workspace, CIC has every office amenity you could possibly need to scale your startup project. For those of you who are local, or if you're just visiting Boston, GrowthCraft advisors and founders can meet others in our community face-to-face. -face. Join us for an informal social and informational get-together. Meet others, chat with advisors and peers, make connections, and then stay for Venture Cafe, starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, every second Thursday at CIC. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC 
in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to uh, right now. And thanks. Thanks.